0: Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, where we discuss how to create an investment philosophy. That's
1: what we're trying to do here: is get something simple that can take your um, the philosophies or the, the key things that you want to carry across many years in your in your investment plan um, on a piece of paper. You can align on it with your spouse, for example, or hold yourself accountable and not do things that are crazy uh, one, two, three, four, five years from now because you've already aligned on with yourself, with your spouse, on what you want to do long-term.
0: Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and with me, as always, is my investment philosophy plan-creating co-host, Scott Trench.
1: Wow. Thank you, Mindy. Here with me, as always, is my uh, financial planning and super master of finance, Mindy Jensen.
0: (laughs) I like that. Super master of finance. I'll take it. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting, so long as you have a plan.
1: That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or build a financial empire, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams.
0: Ooh, I like that. Build a financial empire. Before we jump into today, I am going to say the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decisions you contemplate. And the reason I do that is because today we're going to talk about creating a financial investment philosophy. And I think that it's really important to have an investment philosophy before you start investing so you're not just investing in this and investing in that and willy-nilly and you're kind of all over the place and scatterbrained. So Scott, you created a lovely document called Investment Philosophy One-Pager Template. Very clever. We talked about this on a recent episode with Zoe, and we're going to go through it step by step because I think that... Uh, If you are just getting started in your investment philosophy, you might need a little bit of help.
1: Sounds great. I'm always happy to talk about this, and, and this is something that I found is very powerful for myself.
0: Okay, well, before we talk about creating an investment philosophy, let's take a quick break.
2: Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost.
0: minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. And we're back. All right. We have a link in the show notes, which can be found at BiggerPockets.com slash MoneyShow362 to a link, which is a download from the Bigger Pockets website, which is Scott's document uh, that he created, the investment philosophy one-pager template. Uh, it's actually more than one page because it's a fill in the blank. Scott, why should someone create a financial plan or an investment philosophy? Th-
1: this this did not start out as a fancy schmancy document that was well. This is like two columns in Microsoft Word for me when I when I put it together and a little header with all that. It sounds like uh, the bigger pockets team is is making it fancy, which is you know uh, flattering. But you know you you could you could do this on a piece of paper a piece of uh, uh, of, of uh, notebook paper uh, with pen and paper. You could do it in Microsoft Word. I like forcing a philosophy into a single piece of paper because it's easier to digest. If your investment plan is 40 pages, you're never going to review it. You're never going to be able to stick with it. So, and it forces simplification and clarity. So I like the fact that it's one page or something simple. Uh, there's a book called The Index Card. That's a great thing to do, right? you put your entire financial plan on a single index card. That's what we're trying to do here is get something simple that can take your um, the philosophies or the, the key things that you want to carry across many years in your, in your investment plan um, on a piece of paper. You can align on it with your spouse, for example, or hold yourself accountable and not do things that are crazy uh, one, two, three, four, five years from now, because you've already aligned on with yourself with your spouse on what you want to do long term so i i find this is a helpful tool it's a very simple tool yes we provide a template i'll be happy to share the things that are in mine but this has got to work for you it's got to realize the goal that you want to achieve with your financial plan
0: okay i think that's really important scott the the one page versus the 40 pages like you said you're not going to stick to it you're not going to review it if it's 40 pages long uh, your document is one page and we are going to go through it. I like how you've got different options in you. well, we're going to go through it right now. Um what i the reason that I wanted to do this episode is because we speak to people every week about their finances and their investments and their their financial situation. And what I see is that people don't have an investment philosophy. They're investing, but they're just investing because they should as opposed to because they want to specifically. Um, So your investment philosophy, in my opinion, is your rational, calm thinking self, thinking about what you truly want in your investing and for your future the plan that you stick to that can guide you through those chaotic, frantic times when you're second-guessing yourself. I know I want to put in $1,000 a month into the stock market. So then that means that you put $1,000 in the stock market every month, regardless of what's going on in the stock market. If it's up, if it's down, you're continuing per your investment plan, your investment philosophy. Or I want to be 60-40 in real estate, versus stocks, then you need to look at where you're allocating your funds. If you're putting everything into the real estate market, then you're not putting 40% into the stock market. You need to frequently come back and review your investment plan. How frequently do you in review your investment philosophy?
1: Rarely, right? I mean, it, it's, it's there and I, I execute against it, right? So, you know, what, what I review much more frequently are my goals from a quarter-to-quarter basis, um, and what I want my life to look like in a few years. The investment philosophy is intended to be a philosophy that I maintain throughout my life, so I don't have to review it very often. The power comes... I mean, how many Finance Fridays have we had, Mindy, on the show, where someone comes on and they're like, what should I do with my money? And we're like, well, what do you want? In a general sense, in life, and from your future financial position, right? It's it's almost impossible to answer those questions with that. So w- one practical application of this, for example, is is let, let's take let's take an ordinary middle class American making somewhere between eighty and one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year in household income, right? They're paying down their mortgage, they're paying, they're contributing to their four hundred one k, they have a small emergency reserve where are they going to end up in 10 years? They're 30 years old, right? They're going to end up with $500,000 in net worth, let's say, 200, 250 dollars in their home equity, two hundred and fifty dollars in retirement accounts, $3,000 in the bank, and $7,000 in credit card debt, living essentially month-to-month paycheck, doing all of the right things right? and maxing out their, their retirement accounts and paying, paying their mortgage down, right? They're just not going to have any freedom until they're 65, right? And to stop to to move, for example, that's hard. Are you gonna really you gonna move your whole house and your whole life in order for financial freedom? Are you gonna are you gonna stop contributing to your, your 401k? No. But if you have a clear picture of like, no, here are my investment philosophies. I've thought about this, and in five years I want my portfolio to look like this, or seven years or ten years. Now we can begin making large life decisions and say, no, no, that's consistent with my philosophy. It's consistent with the way I think about things. And I can actually make these fairly dramatic changes that will compound in a, in a meaningful way over time in alignment with something that makes sense to me, that I, that I can actually back. But most people, I just don't, I don't think, think about it. They're not, they don't, they don't even, they're not even like, there's not even a, con, a concept of, oh, in 10 years, my portfolio can look like this or like this. Uh, and it's dependent on where I allocate my cash, my time. And where I rest my head at night, for example.
0: Okay. So how frequently would you recommend somebody who is just starting out with an investment philosophy to review it so that they continue to stay on the path?
1: I think you, got to, you have to create it and then you have to iterate on it a few times. And, you, and then you, 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 you review it as frequently as you need to, to believe it and internalize it. Right? Maybe it would be helpful if we went through some of it. For example, so I could I could I could illustrate those points.
0: Okay, let's start off with goals.
1: Great. So the goal, so the, 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 like that, that, we have to start with the end in mind. What do I want that portfolio to look like in the future? And I, I like to start start the goal with a statement. Right. So my goal is to maintain and fortify a financial position that sustains permanent financial abundance with diversified income streams across multiple asset classes right that's an abstract statement that's a that's what i want to do maintain and sustain i want to build a large financial position lots of passive cash flow coming from different sources so that my so that i can live the life i want without significant dependence or risk on a single asset or asset class with that so that's that's an abstract statement another part of the portfolio though begin or the the philosophy maintains a target state So in 2025, for example, three years from now, I want to have a specific uh, 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 financial goal. I want to have a large cash reserve. I want a certain amount of of my position to be in equities, a a stock portfolio. I want a certain amount of my position, my net worth to be in real estate. I want a certain amount of my net worth to be in this business, bigger pockets that, that that I lead. I want a portfolio of books which for me are part of my financial plan and, and 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 have and have assets I want a paid off primary residence or an income producing house hack I want no consumer debt and I want a lifestyle that costs less than about ten thousand dollars per month those are that's my so that I have a goal at the highest level and I have a target state in three years that I want to back into. That's a very clear picture that I can begin making large scale asset allocation decisions um in order to to realize that.
0: Scott, I love that. I have that as step one, create your create a goal for your investing. And step two, determine your target state. And you have suggestions in here, but this is this is something that you're gonna have to determine on your own. Uh, you the listener, because your investment philosophy isn't going to look the same as Scott's. No two people are the same and that's okay. Your, Your investment philosophy doesn't have to be anything like Scott. You don't have to have any of the assets that he has. You can have a whole different set. You just have to have a reason for making your investments the way that you are making them. Uh, let's look at how to not second guess yourself when creating a plan and executing.
1: Yeah, so so that comes down to what I what I call core tenets. Like, what are the the things that are never going to change about your philosophy that you can that you can feel really confident in over a lifetime? For example, that's hard. Um, I have seven core tenets for my my investment philosophy that are o- almost certainly not going to change. Across the course of my life, so the first one is never spend the principal. When I invest a dollar, ten thousand dollars, or a hundred thousand dollars, I assume I'm never going to spend that in that part of the investment. Only going to spend the returns generated by that portfolio. That's the only that's the only dollars from that investment that I can use to fund my lifestyle, Um, because the principal is what is what. Is, is what It's it's what I'm investing and in what I what I want to harvest over a long period of time. I don't want to kill the golden goose, right? So the second one takes that – my second tenant takes that to another level. It says I'm, I'm going to reinvest most of the returns that my investments produce. So not only am I gonna, not going to spend the original $10,000 I invest, but if that generates $1,000, I'm actually going to uh, uh, invest more than $500 of that investment – of the returns generated, right? Of that thousand, that's more than fifty percent of that. That allows me to continually build the position over time. That feels like a very a super strong um, financial foundation. Now, these are tenants, by the way, that are in the acquisition or the the um, wealth building phase. In a retirement state, I would change some of that, and I'd harvest a greater percentage of the returns of my portfolio. Um, so, so I guess the tenants can change once once the the philosophy is achieved the 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 future state is is fully achieved there third to invest one must have capital right so what does that mean that means that i need to be if i'm if i'm an investor i'm putting dollars into something right now a, great, a, a what, is, what, what does that mean well at bigger pockets part of my interest is capital interest in the business right uh, i'm the ceo of the business and, and so i have i have interest in that so I, I'm sort of an investor in bigger pockets, but I don't consider those necessarily investments. That's that's a form of compensation. For example, I'm a manager of the business more than an investor in a lot of ways. I don't want to think like an investor in those types of things, but you know, a lot of investors are going to go out and raise a bunch of capital uh, for an apartment complex. That's great. You're doing a job and managing a pool of capital to run that business. It's not investing. So I want to make sure that my portfolios, my portfolio, the future state, is truly investment income, and I'm going to separate that mentally from income that I'm the manager or, or, or uh, wealth that I am the steward of, right? As a, as a CEO, for example, or a or business manager. So fourth, I believe that investment returns and related do not correlate with effort. Instead, they they, fifth, are impacted by knowledge. So I'm going to, I am not going to build a portfolio that requires me to work it over time. I'm going to build a portfolio that bring where the advantages to that portfolio, the, the wealth I'm going to produce is impacted by my, my, the choices I make at the highest level, um, around capital allocation, which properties I purchase, those types of things. Sixth, my, my, uh, this tenant is do not confuse volatility with risk i maintain a long term focus right the stock market is going to go up some years by in a lot um, and in 2022 it's going to come down 20 25% right that's volatility over 30 40 50 years because i never spend the principal however i can understand that that that, uh, that an investment in stocks is likely to produce that 8 to 10% return and feel very comfortable with that. I'm very comfortable with the concept of volatility, and I separate it in my mind from risk. Risk, to me, is having less wealth over time or delaying that, that position in which I achieve um, permanent financial abundance with diversified income streams, right? Risk is not the stock market might go down 25% next year. Risk, instead, is I invested in bonds at 3% a few years ago, made... Very little and at a huge opportunity cost to investing in stocks. That's a higher risk decision for me. And then my last tenant is the best investments are specific to my situation. I have a specific set of skills. I am a real estate investor. I was willing to house hack for a very long period of time. I may do that again at some point. I am an author. Um, I host this podcast. There are specific investments or things that I can do that are going to produce a better return for me if I'm willing to, um, take the time to learn about those things and invest in, 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 getting them started or, or going over a period of time. And I believe that many people have those types of opportunities if they're willing to, to look at them and harvest them. And I'm going to spend every 90 days or so, make another bet that is high quality that, um, um, that will that that is specific to my situation that can help me advance towards the achievement of this philosophy.
0: How did you come up with these tenets? This doesn't sound like something you sat down and banged out in like five minutes.
1: Interesting question. They kind of have developed over time, um, and and really, I think that they you know it comes from writing. I'm I'm I I, I like to write to collect my thoughts on a lot of things, and so. I think when I was, you know, I th- I think I really honed in on them and identified them in the context of a blog post I was producing for Bigger Pockets, and I was like, "This is it. This is how I, this is how I'm going to invest for the rest of my life," um, in, a, in a in a fundamental sense. And I think that could probably be a powerful tool, right? I, this is not overnight stuff. This is stuff that, like again, you have to iterate on. You ask me how long how often do you look at this. Well, I probably obsessed over it for many, many hours in a long term context to get to something like this. And then I don't have to look at it anymore because it's internalized, right? Uh or at least not that, not that frequently. But like you need to have these things done because if you don't believe, if you don't, if your philosophy is is something other than never spend the principle, it's gonna be really hard to invest in stocks. Over a, with a 30year time horizon outlook and watch that thing go up and down 50 percent. Um, 70%, 90 percent in the Great Depression, right? Um, you know these things are going to happen over the next 30, 50 years, but if you haven't internalized them with things that you're, you're very comfortable with in, in, over a long period of time, parts your, your philosophy needs to adapt to those things.
0: Okay, that's a great, that's a great point. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust
1: the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet.
0: Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products.
1: Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash
0: As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions.
3: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, Uh, let's look at bonus considerations.
0: You have several bonus considerations here. How did you come up with these?
1: Yeah. So th- these are things that I've added to those tenants and these are probably going to change for me over time. So these are not as, these are more fluid. Uh, and these are getting, these are personal to me. They're just examples here, but as if you're using a document like this, you need to come up with your own core tenants and considerations that, that you want for your portfolio. So a couple of things that, that I would add on to those core tenets are, I believe that great returns come from concentration, not diversification. Now that's juxtaposed with the fact that I eventually want diversified income streams, right? And, and I'm comfortable having conflicting ideas in my head with, with this, right? To get to where I wanna go fast, I need to be concentrated, Right. Think about think about when I'm when I'm starting out in my journey. Um, my first investment was a house hack. I was making fifty grand a year. I had twenty thousand dollars in cash essentially, and nothing else. Um, after the first year, I saved up the twenty thousand dollars. I put it all into real estate. That's not a diversified position. It's a concentrated one. I I put I bought a two hundred and forty thousand dollar property. It's five times my annual income. Um, for that, that that property, it's an all-in bet, highly concentrated. And for me, that was the right decision. And I believe that that is an excel- what, what accelerated my returns much more than if I had bought an index fund, a diversified, you know, well-diversified index fund, for, for example. Today, much of my, my, my wealth is in one asset, which is the company of bigger pockets, right? And so that's also a concentrated position, right? I believe that concentration is necessary in getting to where you want to go, but the end goal is diversification, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So, anyways, that, that's one bonus consideration for me. Um, second, I want to invest for after-tax liquidity and lifestyle flexibility, not the largest possible tax-advantaged net worth. What does that mean? That means I want to spend my I want to be able to spend my wealth. And I feel like there's a lot of ways to play games where you can trap Wealth in places you can't access it until you're 50, 60, 70 years old, right? So, you know, this would be, for example, building an enormous Roth position. It's possible. You can, you can do these backdoor Roths. Um, you, you can, you can uh, convert uh, pre-tax things and put and, and put them in there. You can play games to shelter a lot of things uh, and those type and, and, and play those games. It's not, it's not the game I want to play. I want to have access to my wealth in a meaningful sense throughout my, my life journey Rather than optimize the tax situation to have the biggest possible net worth number, be able to borrow against those types of things. So that's a personal philosophy thing. Some people may disagree with that. My goal is to comfortably fund any desired lifestyle. Um, So the portfolio must generate consistent, spendable, and therefore taxable income. So this is directly related to the above. It's the portfolio has to generate income. That income needs to be taxable, because if it's not taxable, it's generally not spendable. And so again, I just I've acknowledged that that allows me, that frees me from having to play a ton of tax games to preserve my wealth. When you talk to CPAs, when you talk to attorneys, when you talk to financial planners, they're gonna give you a lot of advice on how to avoid taxes. And for a while I was building my portfolio with some of that in mind. This frees me from that. I can say, I'm gonna pay more taxes and it's not gonna be efficient, it's gonna be freeing. And then last. Um, Once my portfolio generates a satisfactory income, for example, like two times my conservative estimate of the lifestyle expenses I want to have adjusted for inflation forever, um, all of the proceeds then can go towards the best long-term investment. So once I achieve my target financial state, then I will begin playing the tax advantage game. I will begin putting the, my my money into investments that produce less cash flow or that have long great that have that are optimized for long-term wealth creation, because that's adding to the pile rather than establishing my baseline. So again, these are these are freeing statements for me that are likely to change over time uh, and are but are not core tenants of my portfolio. But having them written in my philosophy, it says, okay. Great, I'm I'm going to do this investment even though it's not really tax efficient. Like for example, uh, I'll give you a great example. I want to start getting into more private lending at some point. Um, private lending is terribly inefficient for me. I earn a high income. I'm going when I when I lend to somebody, that's going to be interest income. Um, I'm going to pay taxes on it. I'm going to pay it at a high tax bracket. I used to think I'm going to only put that in my 401k or my my Roth IRA. That's that's good tax planning, but. Because of my goal here, it frees me and says, "Oh no, I can actually have a significant portion of my wealth in after tax loans that I'm, I'm I'm providing to people, and I'm just going to pay interest on that because that's directly that's directly related to the goals that I've stated here and what I want out of my financial position
0: you're doing that now or you're doing that down the road once the portfolio generates satisfactory income
1: I'm saying that in the near term the next three years, three to five years, I will likely I will be implementing these things that I just said, in order to get to my target financial state.
0: I'm specifically talking about the private l- lending.
1: Private lending is not some, not a current part of my portfolio. It's something I intend to explore heavily in 2023. I think there are great opportunities there, and I think that it, it's it, it's it's a part of my portfolio, uh, my future portfolio, um, that has not been a consideration in the past. I saw no. I was I was not interested in investing in debt when mortgage rates were three percent. I thought the equity side is way better alternative. I think that's beginning to shift and I want more of my portfolio to be in the debt side because
0: interest rates are rising. Okay, before we dive into this a little bit further, I just wanna reiterate, this is a conscious decision. This This is Scott thinking about- his future, his short-term future, his long-term future, he's thinking about how he wants his money to work for him and how he wants to put his money to work. This isn't just, I sat down and decided in one day, I'm going to do this. This is a a many weeks, knowing Scott, it was probably several months worth of intense thought, periodically over the course of several months coming back to doing research, coming back and doing more research to arrive at this. So while Scott is able to very quickly rattle this off now, this isn't something that he just sat down and banged out in one day. So I want I want anybody who is like, oh, I don't know what I want yet. You don't have to know what you want. This is a, a time to start thinking about it. Yeah.
1: But it's hard to advise yourself or... Even harder to get advice from somebody else on what to do if you don't know what you want.
0: Yes. Yes. Like I
1: know what I want. I think. I, I think I know what I want right now. I could articulate it. I could tell you, I could tell you. It may change, you know. Um, this is that's why it's written on a piece of paper. You can erase it, you can type, retype it out, or whatever. But like this is how I feel and this is what I'm I'm doing, I'm taking actions based on the tenets and considerations I just shared with you in pursuit of that future, the future state that I've articulated.
0: Okay. So Scott, somebody listening to this show and opening up this document and wanting to do their own document, what should they work on first? Is step one, the goal up at the top, maintain and fortify a financial position, the core tenets, or the target state? What would be the first step that you would encourage people to do?
1: I think you start with the goal and then you work toward the target state, um, those are much those are very easy things relatively to just put down on a piece of paper you don't really have to have say i'm i'm the type of person who's going to put my money into an index fund and never look at it again except to spend the 1 2% dividends that are generated by it Over over time and decades like that's something I can do that may not be something you can do um, uh, Or or that you're comfortable with or that's practical in your life So you you might say no, no, I I need to have a a rental property that generates cash flow And i'm comfortable with that or I want to have horses
0: Yeah, I think that the the target state is one of the most important parts of this document, although I mean everything's important the The target state, and then, from the target state, we go over to the uh, the asset classes. And I want to say right now, you do not have to be in everything. Make a list of what you do and do not want in your portfolio. And it doesn't matter what Scott's doing. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. We're bigger pockets. We talk about real estate. Real estate is kind of our thing. But if you don't want to invest in real estate, don't feel obligated to invest in real estate. If you don't want to invest in crypto, guess what? You don't have to. You can simply do index funds and set it and forget it, which will make your investment philosophy super, super simple. But if you want to be diversified, if you want to have all of these other things, write out your individual philosophy on index funds and individual stocks and real estate and private business and side hustles and all the other things that come with investments. You don't have to limit yourself to these that Scott has. Um, I do like that you keep a cash management section in here, Scott. Maintain a, a cash reserve. We were just talking on another show about how Scott has a an emergency fund, which I was a little shocked at because I do not have an emergency fund,
1: yeah, I, I I think so so you know, I have two columns on this this one piece of paper, right? One has the core tenants, those considerations I just shared with you in my target state. And the right hand side of it is where I talk about each of the asset classes that I want my that I want on my balance sheet in the future state, right? And yeah, so for me, and, and again, all this is going to, it's completely depends per person, right? But you got to be able to state what you want. And once you can confidently do that, you can begin working toward it with, with confidence um, with that. So my, my cash philosophy is I want to maintain a substantial cash reserve. My cash reserve is over a year of expenses um, with that. And, and, and that's how I feel comfortable uh, in my personal life. And Mindy, what, what's your philosophy again?
0: I have enough Buckets that I can pull from that I don't currently keep an emergency fund. But that doesn't mean that I don't have money. It means that I have put it to use someplace else. And I'm putting, I'm continuing to invest in the stock market, even though it's down right now. I'm continuing to buy real estate when it makes sense. I'm continuing to invest in individual stocks and in index funds when it makes sense to me. And I don't keep any cash on hand. And I have a job, so I have a steady paycheck. I have credit cards. I have access to like that's kind of my emergency fund is I have a credit card and then I have access to a bunch of buckets that I can pull from to pay off the credit card every month. I'm certainly not racking up a ton of points or a ton of charges on my credit card that I don't ever pay off. Um, I have I just have a lot of options. I don't keep cash.
1: Of I love it. I think that's great. I think that you know if that's how you want to do it, write it down, align with your spouse, and do it. That's great. Like there, there's no, no there's no right answer to any of this stuff.
0: Yes, there is.
1: There are some wrong answers. There's
0: a lot of wrong answers, but think about it. The right answer is for you to. think. Think about it and have a plan. The right answer is not for you to just wing it and see what happens. And that is that is exactly not what we have done, is we don't just wing it and hope that we don't have an emergency. We don't just not have an emergency fund and, you know, fingers crossed everything works. Remember in January when I had to replace that blower on my furnace because it broke when it was 13 degrees outside. That was awesome. Um, and I didn't have $700 in cash, but I have a credit card and then I have you know, a paycheck coming on the 15th. So that covered that. And it's an unexpected expense, but it isn't an uncoverable expense. And I don't think that there are any expenses coming my way that I can't cover, which is why I don't carry or have any cash. Um, but yes, there are right ways to do it. And it's it's thinking about it. It's making a plan. And you just said something, Scott, speak with your spouse and get on the same page. I cannot stress that enough. Your spouse, having you and your spouse on the same financial page is so freeing. Not fighting about money is the best ever. Absolutely. There you go. That's the right way to do it. Getting on the same page as your spouse. And if you are not on the same page as your, page as your spouse, you should have a money date. Is that episode 157, Scott, of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast? That's right is how to have a money date, what you should and definitely should not do to align your finances as a couple. Because really, when you're not fighting about money, your relationship is so much better. Absolutely. Okay. So, Scott, you have several asset classes along the right side of this document. Uh, Cash management, index funds, real estate, private business, side hustles, miscellaneous private investments. Do you want to go through
1: these? Yeah, sure. So the pillars of my personal financial position are index funds and real estate located in Denver, Colorado. I got a portfolio here that I own with a partner um, that I continue to invest in on a regular basis. um, And and I will—I purchased in 2022. I will purchase again in 2023, maybe a little bit more aggressively, uh, because I think there's some opportunities that are starting to materialize. And then uh, I dump essentially all cash in excess of my emergency fund um, into index funds, um, that's not allocated for real estate. In addition to those two things, I also have a couple of other assets. First is, again, I mentioned this earlier, bigger pockets. Um, you know, big, bigger pockets has grown substantially and I joined as an early employee and, and this is a big part of my, my personal wealth is, is the ownership stake. again, I try to separate that as, management versus investment here. And again, this is an asset class that I've invested in. It's a big part of my position. Yet my core tenants tell me I'm not really an investor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a manager. This is my job. But it's still a, it's enough, it's a significant part of my position that I, 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 describe, I call it out as a part of my asset allocation in my investment philosophy. Then we have books and royalty income. I've authored, authored two books, Set for Life and then First Time Home uh, co-authored with, uh, I forget who the co-author was actually. Ugh, um, doesn't
0: matter. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's with with Mindy Jensen, of course. Um, and and so th- those are part of my position. I don't know how, I'm not exactly clear on how to value those, but I know I want to write more books. And my wife is alf- also an author. And so we count her books as part of that. And so that's that's a, a part of our position that, uh, we want to call out specifically because those are assets and their profession um, uh, that, that come into our financial portfolio, unique to us. Some other people have horses, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, and then last, I wanted to call this out because this, this is an evolving piece for me, and this is again completely going to vary from individual to individual. But you know, from time I call them miscellaneous private investments. From time to time, I think that opportunities are going to present themselves, and these could include things like syndication and real estate syndications that I'd invest in or private companies. I, I I'm really curious about, um, Private investments in local businesses. I think there's a lot of uh, baby boomers that are selling services based in uh, businesses in the local area. Businesses that produce two, three hundred thousand dollars in cash flow. Could I invest in one of those and partner with somebody who runs that and help them from time to time? I'm really curious about those things. I'm curious about angel investments. I'm curious about private equity um, opportunities and those types of things. So I call this out in my personal port, my my personal document as As a miscellaneous private investments, and i'm and a, the way I finance this is I'm willing to leverage against my real estate portfolio or stock portfolio from time to time. I lately leverage those things so that if an opportunity in this area comes up, I would be willing to pull some cash out, do a margin loan, for example, and make that investment paid off, of course first before I, I resume other investments and go into these areas because I think that over the course of a lifetime ten Fifteen, twenty 20 such opportunities may, may be great ones, great shots to take. And so that will be a larger part of my portfolio in future years. It's not something I've done a lot of meaningful investment in previously. So that's an aspirational one.
0: Okay. And I think these are great. I think there's a lot of different asset classes that you can be in, and it's this is all personal. Personal finance is personal, and your investment philosophy is the most personal thing that you can do for your personal finances. So your investment philosophy is probably not going to look a whole lot like Scott's, and that doesn't mean... That your investment philosophy is wrong in any way. My investment philosophy looks a little bit like Scott's. I have a lot more individual stocks in my investment philosophy. I have um, a lot less private business in my investment philosophy, although I guess I still do have some. Um, I have more side hustle because I'm a real estate agent. I have, you know, just different things. I do more private investments than Scott does. And it's actually, I think it's kind of a lot like yours. (laughs) Now that I'm saying it's different, it's my allocations are different, but I'm actually doing a lot of the same things that Scott's doing. But again, it's a thoughtful process. It's, It's not something that I jumped into with both feet. Um, when they had those meme stocks and the, what was it, GameStop and the movie theater ones. I didn't invest a dime into those things. I am $0 in crypto. I'm not anything in gold. There's a lot of things that I'm not investing in because I don't want to invest in that stuff. And that's okay. Scott has dabbled in some of these things more than I have, and that's okay too. It's a personal thing. But what both Scott and I have in common is that we have a well thought out investment philosophy?
1: Yeah, and and you're comfortable with it, and you can live with it.
0: I am comfortable with it. I can live with it.
1: You know what? Wh- where you're going to get yourself into trouble is if you don't have something to this effect. Is oh gosh, I think the market's going to go down. Should I pull out everything and sit on cash? Should I do that? Like if, if 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 you're having those types of considerations, that's probably an indication that. You don't have a strong internalized philosophy about how you're going to manage your money, and what assets, what assets or asset classes you're going to trust.
0: That's a good point.
1: And it could just be flexible. Like, like let's say, let's say, like there's nothing wrong. Bill Bangin, one of the you know the, the founders of the the, uh, the guy who founded the concept of the four percent rule. This is a guy who sold his entire position at the beginning of 2022 and moved it into cash, and that might be a prescient move, right? Um, but I, you know. If if that's what you want to do, I just encourage you to write it out. My one of the philosophies. I'm when I feel that asset classes that I'm invested in are overvalued, I'm gonna exit those positions, hold on to cash, and enter other asset classes that I think are undervalued at that point in time. That's totally fine. Make that a core tenant um, of this, and then you'll feel comfortable when you make those moves. It's not how I would run manage my money. I don't think I can. I don't think I can make those determinations. That I think that's too close to timing the market. But you got to be able to live with your own decisions. Yep. And this, this will help you make those based on a framework that you've committed to writing and, and feel comfortable
0: with. A framework that you have thought about and committed in writing. Okay, Scott, let's recap the top three steps that our listeners can take from this episode. Step number one is create a goal for your investing and your investment philosophy. Step number two is determine your target state. And step number three is define your core tenets. Again, we're going to have this document available in our show notes, which can be found at biggerpockets.com slash money show 362. And it's a Google document that you can edit as you choose, make comments on and continue to iterate as you update your investment philosophy over time. But it is a uh, we'll have Scott's examples and then uh, fill in the blanks for your own core tenants, bonus considerations, target state, and goals.
1: And I, I would just say to put, to put a, a bow on it, if you're asking the question, what should I do with my money? If that's a question you have currently or are, are comfortable with, then this exercise will solve that for you.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: It will answer that question.
0: Scott, Thank you not only for creating this document, but for sharing it and walking us through it today.
1: Thank you for 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 asking about it again. I, I again I'm I was like the, the, I get, we get the question what should I do with my money what should what, you know help, help help me out all that kind of stuff this this is a it for me it is just a word document that's typed out on one piece of paper with some bullet points on it. It's not a, a fancy, smancy thing here. Although I think we formatted nicely uh, to put it on there. So again, I'm, I'm, I am just, it's, you know, don't, this is not, we don't have to give over mystical weight to this type of thing. It's just a very useful tool if, if, uh, if you're not sure what you should be doing with your money or you don't, you don't feel like you're marching clearly in the direction of a, of a, a goal that's articulated well.
0: All right, Scott, thank you for your time today. Thank you for joining me on the last 362 episodes of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. Actually, I think it's 360. You missed a couple. Uh, but I appreciate you so much and I know our listeners do too. Well,
1: Mindy, thank you so much for for uh, allowing me to talk about this document and my personal philosophy for the last uh, 45 minutes here. Really appreciate it. It's it's one of my favorite subjects. If for those listening, um, if you are getting value out of this, if you feel like it's five star content, please leave us a five star review on whatever app you listen to the podcast on—Spotify, uh, Apple, or wherever you get uh, the, wherever you get your information and wherever you're listening. Um, if you don't think it's five star content, please keep it to yourself. Mindy, <laughs> should we get out of here?
0: We can. We should. That wraps up this episode of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. He is Scott Trench and I am Mindy Jensen saying, May your investment philosophy planning session be smooth. to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions.